Hello, everyone. It's Gary Morgenstein from Brooklyn, welcoming you to Coastal Commoners with my buddy, R.C. Samo, in Orange County, California. Yes, in a frosty 67, slightly overcast weather. Now, really, <laughs> frosty 67. Now, it's true that when you live out, like in warm climates, your blood really does thin. Isn't that true? It does. It does. Because don't forget, I'm by the beach, so we get that cold front coming in from the ocean. So we get a little bit of that chill factor. I mean, so yes, it is a little frosty for 67, but in comparison to you being snow ridden, it's totally different. Well, I love snow and I love the cold weather. And it astonishes me how New York completely freaked out, Mm -hmm. melted down over six inches of snow. And I feel bad. It's not the people's fault. Mm -hmm. I just don't really know what happened that six inches, we're not talking about 18 inches with snow drifts. And it's like, like they say, Washington, D.C. freaks out over an inch of snow. Well, Washington, D.C. freaks out over anything. It's where all our money goes to disappear. Right. And we have all those wonderful Democrats and Republicans in office. Of course. Uh, stealing our money, yes. But New Yorkers are a little hardy. I mean, when New Yorkers, and you heard um, stories of people, it's like taking five hours mm-hmm. to get home. And I just... We were so unprepared. The authorities were just so unprepared. But yet six inches of snow is not barricading roads. Mm-hmm. And it was just uh, now we have we're around 50 ish today, okay. a little milder. But apparently the northeast is going to have record colds mm-hmm. in, on Thanksgiving. So for those of, of you sugar enough <laughs> to go to the parade, you know, think about it's like the people who go for New Year's Eve. Uh huh. And watch the ball. I, I have never done that, of which I'm very proud. I've, I did a lot of things when I was young that I don't want to discuss because there might still not might not be a statute of limitations. But <laughs> but watching the ball and freezing your who's it's off mm-hmm. is crazy. And I was and it's th- not like that you... they let you stay in the street till two o'clock in the morning. It's twelve oh five, twelve thirty. The camera goes off, and here come the hoses Gone. getting you out of there. That's right, and. I was never a big parade fan. What about you? I hate Even as parades. A kid. I absolutely yes, thank hate you. parades, but I will actually be in a parade, so what? I can't definitely hate them. Wait, are you on a float? Do you have something big to announce? Uh, slightly better. I was invited to be in a celebrity car for the Hollywood Christmas Parade. Oh. Yes. Wow. Now, uh, who are you going to be with? Some A friend of mine, her name is Flower. She, Flower Walker. Does she have a last name? She or does she... have a last name, but I, I don't think I don't know if she wants me to give it out or not. So I'll just, okay. I'll just so Flower is not like one of those girls with one name. No, 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 no. no. It's it's a okay. nickname, you know. But okay. uh, so uh, we call her Flower. Total sweet lady. Um, she collects uh, tiny cars, and yes. uh, she has a replica Fiat. From uh, the Cars movies, Francesca, the female version, as you know, Luigi and his his wife, Francesca. Yeah. And so this is a 1960s Fiat dressed up to be Francesca from from the movie that I will be riding shotgun dressed in, uh, dressed up as a six foot three giant elf. Well, yes. Now you exactly you are six foot three. Yeah. You are not as sl- I mean, you're not slim, slim six foot three. <laughs> no, I am a very stocky six foot three. You are stocky. I'm, I'm being very, very polite here. Uh, now, how are you going to fit in a tiny car? Oh, she's putting the top down. Okay. 
So, so there's still going to be room for like the steering wheel and everything? And Yes. Uh, my head will be sticking out of the top of the car, so I will be able to conduct traffic over the windshield. I love it. Yeah. And you'll wave? You're going to wave and everything? Well, my right arm will have to be out of the vehicle anyway, so might as well. Oh, that's very cool. <laughs> now, now it, this is Thanksgiving? No, this is the Christmas parade. Oh, actually, the Christmas like yeah. Christmas Day or uh, it's it's pre it's pre recorded and then it will be aired during Christmas week. So when is it going to actually be recorded? Sunday. I mean, what day? We... Sunday, right Sunday. after Thanksgiving. Yes. Oh, oh you must. This is like a viral moment. <laughs> you as an elf in a in a tiny Fiat. I mean, it yeah. really doesn't get much better than this. No, it can't. It can't get better than this. So as much as I don't like parades, I think it's entertaining to be in a parade. Well, but you you might like it after, once you're in there. Well, here's why I don't like parades. I don't like traffic. All right? Yes. And I never understood the concept of the parades at Disneyland because everyone would go watch the parade, and I thought it was perfect timing to go to the rides because half the rides are empty. Yes. And I had those friends that were like, no, we need to stand and watch the parade. Well, the 40 minutes I wasted here, I could have gone on two rides you know, at Disneyland that I would have waited yes. 40 minutes for each one of them. Yes, absolutely. So it's that sort of thing that drove me nuts about the parades and the traffic and the noise and, you know, the, the pickpocketers or whatever else. Yes, I, and I, I I don't know. I mean, I think I was at a Thanksgiving Day parade, I believe, once mm-hmm. a long, long time ago. But I'm with you. I just don't see all the hoopla and you you seem to stand there for a long time and nothing happens. Right. And it's really kind of boring. It's like going to the set of a movie or a TV show. It sounds exciting till you get there. Yes. And then it, I remember I was at, I was invited several years back by a friend's girlfriend who I wasn't quite fond of. And her notion was we should go spend New Year's Eve in Pasadena on the street and then wait to watch the Rose Parade the next day. Oh, how fun. And I told her to go to one of the warmest places <laughs> in the afterlife. Yes. Because I am not going to camp in the middle of the street Jeez. to watch a three-hour parade the next morning when, one, the best seat in the house is on TV. Yes. And two, the day before the New Year's parade and the day after the New Year's parade, I can just go to where they're storing the floats and walk around them and see them and touch them and smell all the flowers myself yeah, right. without just standing there and go, okay, there goes one. Yes. Oh, there's the next one. Yeah. It's like, so what? It's oh, really Oh, there's so, dancing horses. Yeah. Great. Thank yes, you, guys. Yes, yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that people, they like all the, the traditions. But I think sometimes if they questioned mm-hmm. why they're doing it, they'd be hard-pressed yes. to explain it. And I love tradition. Don't get me wrong. I love tradition. Yes, I love. But yes. this is one tradition I don't want to adhere to. <laughs> yes. Well, I schlepped my 20-pound turkey home today. Congratulations. Yes. I will be making a butterball turkey just for my wife and I and my and Tiger the, the pug and mm-hmm. Boris the cat. Mm-hmm. And mercifully, we're not traveling anywhere. So I'm going. My wife is going to make pecan pie. Mm-hmm. I've got the stuffing. I've got the cranberries. And I always like to add a little ethnicity. Mm-hmm. To the traditional, a.k.a. going to a Jewish place and getting matzo ball soup. I was going to say, you're having matzo ball yeah. soup, and since your wife is Italian, I'm assuming there's going to be some That's ravioli. It. Yeah, well, and... she already made the lasagna. Oh, okay. So we're just like segue into it. Yeah, I like a little, you know, I don't want it the standard fare. Right. And we'll drink, and she doesn't like 
football, so I don't know what we'll watch. But we'll watch probably James Bond movies. There you go. This time of year, I like to watch movies that are my favorites. Uh, like I love James Bond because I, I want to be James Bond. Like who doesn't want to be James Bond? This is true. I have a, I have a question for you before you go into the James Bond thing, yeah. though. Uh, on KTLA Channel 5 over here, they're getting a free plug from us uh, as much as they don't need it. Thanksgiving, yes. you know, Thanksgiving Day, they run a uh, Twilight Zone marathon. Oh, yes. Do they do that in New York on one of the local affiliates where they'll, well, run, the, the, a, where they'll run a marathon of a classic TV series? Um, Sci-Fi Channel used to run Twilight Zone. I don't know if, yes. I don't know if they still do. No. Around the holidays. No, nope, uh, none of the and, good stuff is on Sci-Fi Channel anymore. No. I mean, the original yeah, programming is good, but none of the classic. No, no, they, maybe they don't have the rights anymore. And New Year's Eve here on um, WPIX in New York, they run the Honeymooners. Oh, wow. Da, 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 as, which is, you know. As famous as that show was, it ran only, what, like 26 episodes, 33 episodes? Something like, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Something, something like that. Because it, 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 remember, it was part of the... Um, the, the, the Jackie Gleason show. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it only ran like maybe you're right, maybe four, five years tops, but it was just so brilliant. And, and Glee, I mean, they just didn't rehearse because Gleason didn't want to rehearse because he would vamp anyway. Right. And they were just so brilliant. The, the cast, of mm-hmm. like Connie and Orgy Meadows and, yes. and Jane Keith, that they could just play along mm-hmm. and be good. But when you watch them, sometimes it's a little clear that they're going, what? <laughs> what is, what's going on? This is not the story. There's nothing remotely what the script looked like. Right. Because Gleason was a genius. Mm-hmm. He was, um, I remember seeing him years ago, back in like the late 80s. There's a uh, restaurant in Manhattan called Patsy's. Okay. And it was, okay. a, uh, it's on the, in the mid- Midtown. The Sinatra used to hang out there with all his friends and entertainers. And Gleason had just had a heart attack, a serious heart attack. And he was eating all alone. My my ex-wife and I were, were in the restaurant. It was before show. And he was by himself and he had like piles of food on the table. Mm-hmm. And I just sent over a bottle of wine and said, thank you. And he tipped his head to me, you know, if thanks, because he was just a, a great, great multidimensional talent. And this, you know, there's not a lot of multidimensional talents no. like that anymore. I had the I saw um, speaking of, of that Hugh Jackman. Yes. Um, uh, Thursday in in the screening of the movie The Front Runner. I heard his interview on Howard Stern. And what, what did he what uh, did he have to say? He addressed the issue of people accusing him of being a homosexual. He talked oh, about really? how he spent yes he spent three days with Gary Hart on his compound. He oh, saw Gary Hart's plan for 1984 and then 1988, and how Gary Hart could have actually done certain things that weren't done until at least eight to 12 years after he had hoped to do them. Like, do you uh, remember one? Uh, the end of the Cold War should have came uh, in the 80s, not in uh, 1990. Yeah. Um, just all sorts of things like that. And, you know, it's he said it was hard. It's hard for Gary Hart, possibly being one of the most brilliant elder statesmen that gets zero recognition because of a sex scandal of infidelity. Uh, at the time, yet today he'd be celebrated for it. I mean, the Clinton Affairs is running yeah. on A&E, a three-night special. Uh, Trump and Stormy Daniels and, you know. On and on. 
et cetera, on et cetera. You know, Kennedy. And who does he know, yeah. really? I mean, you know, Franklin Roosevelt screwed around a lot, John Kennedy. Yeah. Who cares? Right. It, 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 you're right about Gary Hart. Um, now, I think he probably would have had a good chance to be elected president. It would have been close with him and, and George Bush. Yes. But he would not have. And you don't know. But I think Bush he would have. I think he would have had a better chance than Dukakis. Dukakis yes. got himself unelected. Yeah, exactly. And he Dukakis didn't offer anything. Where Hart would have appealed to people, um, whether you agreed with his his views or not. And there were some things I found very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I did it. I did admire him. Uh, and, and the movie's really good. It's very fast paced. Mm-hmm. If you like, you have to like politics. Okay. And we do. you don't have to be. So. Yes, we do. And you, you, know, you don't have to be political junkies like us, but it helps if you like politics because there's a lot of shorthand mm-hmm. and you have to have some knowledge of it. But he's just wonderful, Jackman, because there is this he does get the Gary Hart disdain, mm-hmm. which is the only which is probably the main reason I qualify whether whether he could have beaten Bush because he was not a retail politician, Hart. You know, he wouldn't pass the test. Who do you want to have a beer with? Right. And he was and that might have come back to bite him. Uh, who knows? At and that, that point, who, it's, I don't want to have a beer with any of the presidents. Do your job. No, no, no that's it. Exactly. But it, it's interesting. And you're absolutely right. The fact what I was came away with in the movie was how astonished I was mm-hmm. that he quit mm-hmm. and that it was such a circus and there had to be, I mean, Clinton, when you look back four years later, mm-hmm. remember Clinton, you know, the whole scandal um, yes. with, with Paula Jones and, and all that was only four years later. And how brilliantly yeah. the Clintons, to their credit, yes. um, discredited and, her. Y- y- yes. And I mean, they flowers. And, yeah. Yes. And for flowers. And they got away with it because they fought back mm-hmm. and they met it head on. And you just wonder if Gary Hart and his wife, Lee, who are far more private people, and I think far more, far more decent people than the Clintons, which is a very low bar. But if they had, you know, done a, an interview mm-hmm. and been honest and said, look, we've had issues in our marriage and we've been separated. And and yes, and I'm, you know, Gary Hart says, I'm sorry, I made a stupid mistake. And, you know, but our marriage was, you know, but, but, but they could have got sympathy enough to go on. And this Possibly, happened. Yeah. in Yeah. Well, it was May 1987. Remember? Right. So we're like, you know, not quite a year, but, you know, eight, nine months mm-hmm. away from the Iowa caucuses. And I think by then he would have had a, it might have been behind. him. Mm-hmm. I really do. But I was just um, astonished at how suddenly he's withdrawing. Right. Because of the, you know, the the zoo of the media. It was it was just it was ridiculous. Actually, yeah. did not rape anyone. No, it was it was you a know, consensual come... relationship. Yeah. And Gary's heart mistake, as uh, Jackman addressed in the Howard Stern interview, was he's like, eh, why does the media want to follow me around? I'm boring. And they took it as challenge accepted. Right. Right. And the media. Remember that the role of the media is to get news. Mm hmm. And to be sensational and the more sensational, the better. Right. And, um, you know, at least back then you saw that there was a, um, a consciousness and an accountability and they were um, trying to make sure the story was correct, mm-hmm. which now is, you know, for the most part out the window. 
yeah. with, with any, you know, they don't, it doesn't really matter as long as you're fulfilling a political agenda. Right. But it was, it's a really, I, for anyone who, want, uh, it, um, Jason Reitman, the director, who's mm-hmm. the son of, of the legendary, the late, um, Ivan Reitman, yeah. introduced the movie. And he admitted that he was too young to really remember 1988. And I looked at my friend and we just winced. Jeez. Like, oh, <laughs> but then I saw Hugh Jackman. Well, I was 10 when this happened. Well, I was nine in 87. So yeah, I was 10 when yeah. the okay, election fine. was going on, but <laughs> thanks. Aussie. I really appreciate that. So, and then leaving the theater for screening, I saw Hugh Jackman mm-hmm. and I applauded him and I said, great job. And he said, thank you. And it's not fair. He's just too gorgeous. It's real. <laughs> It's just not right to be that gifted, that gorgeous, and he's tall. At least I saw George Clooney at a Q&A once, and he's smart, and he's he's handsome, and he's talented, but at least he's not tall. Mm-hmm. I can at least say, you know, I'm taller than you. <laughs> but this, there's nothing. There's I don't even have a chance. With Hugh Jackman, you're dead. Okay. Game's well, over. What bothers you more with Hugh Jackman? Is it the fact that he's that talented, that good-looking, that charming, and on top yes. of it, that nice, yes, which is like the final nail in the coffin. Or is it yes. somebody and like it's... Benedict Cumberbatch, where he's all oh. those things, but you still don't like him for some reason? Yes, he's well. He has that air about him, Cumberbatch. Mm-hmm. You know what? What do you not like about him? Oh, uh, ju- there's just something there. Like he's got the charm, he's got the charisma, but there's something there that just screams to me British phony. Yes. And he could definitely be a genuine and nice guy and as great as Jackman. But there's just something there, and I don't know what it is. And I will never take away from his talent. Right. And we have to remember that actors are just people like everyone else, except decidedly less so. (laughs) Depending who decides it. Yes. Well, they're, they're not quite, you know, as regular human beings. And because you look what they do for a living mm-hmm. and they need the applause. So this and many of them are shy, mm-hmm. which is how they survive by being other people and living right. in those roles. So they don't have to show themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we always have, we have to remember that we shouldn't expect, you know, that they're going to be like their screen. Right. Persona. Well, isn't it? Tr- I don't know if you know this or not, but I've heard this rumor many times is that Dustin is not. Uh, yeah. Dustin Hoffman is a terrible stutterer. Yes. And that uh, acting helped him with his stuttering because he was yes. able to channel the dialogue rather than just uh, speak off of the top of his head. Which is wonderful, which is a great thing. I mean, it's helped, you know, acting is and it entertains us. But we should not assume unless you're Hugh Jackman and you're like, you know, perfect, <laughs> which we don't like. You know, before we get into something, you know, issues of substance, I'm just going to complain about my Friday night meal deliveries okay now this is something that you know people in who are live in urban centers could understand but for mm-hmm. years i've been dealing with this one establishment mm-hmm. and the delivery system is breaking down and it makes me very sad and i'm i'm teetering on the brink of not ordering from them anymore because oh, it, it, it's and I, I don't know if my wife will talk to me after this because she likes their food they have good pizza mm-hmm. and their regular food is like mediocre okay but they just lie and I, I don't know why you have to lie to me about the delivery. Mm-hmm. Okay. If, if tell me it's going to be an hour and 20 minutes and I'm going to be near starving to death mm-hmm. by the time it arrives and the food's going to be cold. I ordered calzones. Mm-hmm. Hello. All the cheese was at, was at oozed out of the calzone. And 
yes. So I had cheese oozing calzone after nearly an hour and a half. And the guy at the door insisted I stand there holding my calzone oozing cheese dinner mm-hmm. because he said, did you really pay? And I said, yes, I use my credit card. And he says, well, I think they charged me too. And I said, well, I'm sorry if they charged you too. You should deal with them. I want to eat my food. So this is just <laughs> if you for Seinfeld. That's exactly where I was going to go. You sound like you're late yeah. with the Chinese foods. Yes. And yes, and I'm afraid I don't want to get a mark and never be able to get pizza delivered to the house again, because then my wife is definitely leaving me. That's it. Done. Game over. That's it. She's never going to talk. I'm, I'm finished. I'll be on to the third marriage soon. So I, you know, I mean, two is a, two is enough for any lifetime. I don't know how people like have married five times. I, I don't know how anyone does that. I don't know who's the person that is the fifth husband or wife. Yeah. I, I, wouldn't you think? After someone tells you, oh, I've been married four times, maybe that's a red flag. Yes, I'd run for the hills. And I had, <laughs> I had met someone that told me she was married. And I was like, okay, whatever, you know. Yeah, happens. Yeah. And then she's like, and then my third ex-husband, and I was like, mm, oh. it was nice knowing you. I have to go. Yes, yes. All right, now let's, you, before we went on the air, you were telling me about what, it seemed a kind of minor um a story over the weekend, but just it was kind of apocryphal about the Portland. Um, oh, it was uh, yeah, just yeah. outside Tell of me. Seattle. Seattle. So sorry. this was reported in the Seattle Times. And it was this poor gentleman who's an Air Force uh, a veteran. He works with the county out there and he is working with children who have been taken away from their parents. And he is supposed he is supposed to be. Uh, there to supervise court-ordered visitations between parents that had their children taken away from them. This gentleman's name is Byron uh, Ragland. And uh, poor Byron uh, had the police called on him at a Munchies frozen yogurt establishment. And um, because apparently two of the employees felt uncomfortable with him being there. And we later find out in the story that Mr. Rag, uh, Ragland is an African-American. And uh, an acquaintance of mine who is um, very fair-skinned, let's put it that way, started blaming people of her own ethnicity on calling the cops for him. And she has very left leanings. And I'm not ragging on leftists in this instance, but when the when the stereotype fits, you have to wear it. Yes. And that, you know, white people need to stop calling the cops on black people, et cetera, et cetera. And so I decided to read the article before commenting on on the discussion. And the person that called the police on Mr. Ragland is the owner named Ramon Cruz, Uh C-R-U-Z. And I said, unless this person is either from Spain or Portugal, this is more than this is eight out of ten chance that he's Hispanic. And so and I don't want to point this out because I don't want to start an argument, but someone pointed this out. And instead of owning up to it, saying, no, the owner was Hispanic that called the cops on, on this poor gentleman who abided by the order of the police officer that all three of them ended up leaving because he couldn't leave the child in the custody of the mother. And the mother and the and the child were uh, were of European-American ancestry. So they leave and he begrudgingly left and he's like, I gave into it. 
he didn't want to make a scene, unfortunately. And um, instead of owning up to him saying, no, it was a Hispanic owner that called the cops, uh, this person turned around and said, well, it was the two white employees that felt uncomfortable, and that's why it did it, and, you know, just continued to accuse the white people. And it's still the owner's fault for making the phone call, because if the employees were uncomfortable, he should have told them to either buck up or send them home, because this is a customer who, I don't know if he purchased something or not, but the fact that he's there on a job assignment through the county, and he's a government employee doing this, should not have been removed from this establishment. But the part, part that irked me was the reaction that everyone decided to blame white people for this when the owner was Hispanic. So is it a racist situation in that if she would, this person would have been called racist for having blamed the owner? Or would it have been, or is it just easier to just blame all white people and take the self-hate and safe, the self-guilt? Well, I think it's so easy. It's much easier to do black and white. I'm not, and I'm not talking skin color now. Okay. I'm, I'm, at all. I'm just talking. It's just so much easier to rage mm -hmm. nowadays. You have the instances of, um, uh, Antifa, um, you know, attacking, um, calling like Ted Cruz racist. Right. And, but he's Cuban, Cuban. Mm -hmm. you know, it's, and, and on and on. And so you just call people names. Right. Yeah. And you can't, people just can't get past that anymore. It's like Stacey Abrams, uh -huh. um, the, the democratic uh, candidate uh, for governor in Georgia. Finally, she didn't concede, but she's going to stop running for governor of Georgia because obviously she ain't winning. Mm -hmm. And the left, rally to her side <clears throat> when she lost saying well this is racism mm -hmm. now it's not racism just because a black person loses okay it's it, it, that doesn't make any you know it doesn't right. work that way uh everyone's well it's jim crow well mm -hmm. no right people are give people credit right for that to decide and there was no voter suppression what happened is that people who did not follow the law of keeping up their voting registration were unable to vote. Well, that's okay. the law. Right. I'm, I'm sorry. If you or I, anyone out there goes to vote and you didn't register properly, you can't right. vote. That, what is, well, you we, know, we face that here too, where people went to the wrong polling station instead of just filling out the form that took an extra 15 seconds, left in a huff and didn't vote. I'm well, like, yeah. all they told you was, here's your ID, fill this form out. That way we can send it to the county office and say they voted here instead of at their polling place so they can't vote twice. It wasn't a hard concept. Well, because we, we, we live in an age of um, excessive narcissism mm -hmm. and very little individual responsibility. Okay. Just take responsibility for your own actions. Right. But it is so easy in, in the case you were talking about in Seattle or anywhere to level charges. And you, we've got to somehow get past that. Mm -hmm. And everyone must have the same standards. Right. I don't care what color you are or what ethnicity, religion, gender, right. preference, whatever. Mm -hmm. We it, The law, now, I agree <clears throat> as a populist that the law um, is often undone by the rich and powerful. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, we know the that. The only color uh, that matters in this country is green. That's right. Yes, all too often, all too often. There was an interesting a story I read the other day. Yeah, Kevin Spacey, who, you know, kind of um, allegedly, 
according to uh, no complaints, allegedly mm-hmm. is like a touch above pond scum. Yes. And we have to use the phrase allegedly because he hasn't been officially charged with anything in the United States. But there are, I believe, two to six open investigations in the United Kingdom. Yes. Now, let's see. As we, we spoke last week, neither he nor um, Harvey Weinstein, Brian Singer, on and on. None of these people have been actually charged with a crime, which is pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. OK, but Kevin Spacey has seemingly vanished from the face of the earth. Yeah. No one knows where Kevin Spacey is. And if they think it's incredible that someone who is so recognizable is nowhere to be seen. There are people saying that he's hiding in plain sight, wearing various disguises. There have been yes. rumors that he's on some island off the coast Fiji. of France. Yes. Fiji Island. I mean, yeah. crazy stuff that they talk about Kevin Spacey. And again, because he has all the money mm-hmm. that he could ever possibly need, uh, he can do whatever he wants. Where is it? There are over 30 accusations against Kevin Spacey. Let's not forget that. So how does he just leave the country? Why isn't his passport confiscated? Mm-hmm. What? I, I just don't understand how that happens. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that rich people, rich people deserve the same equality before law as anyone. I'm, I'm not saying that they shouldn't, but they're treated differently mm-hmm. all too often. If, if this, if you or I were accused of these crimes, we'd have no passports. No, nothing. We'd be in the pokey. I mean, that's just how it is. And I just... But that should be across the board. Yes. And this is sometimes when I hear like um, the, the far left, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the new uh, poster child for democratic socialism, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez okay. and her friends, you know, Bernie Sanders and all and, and everyone... Uh, talking about the corruption, um, I agree, even though I'm more conservative. I mean, I do th- believe that just it you can get away with stuff far too easily in this country. I don't happen to agree with their their uh, what they how they plan to address it, nor do I agree with the anger. I mean, to me, the thing that I I, I part most emphatically from the far left is the the rage and the constant name calling. Mm-hmm. And the attacks on the country that I just that I don't accept. Right. Well, to give you an example of the story we just spoke about, uh, the said person that I know uh, converted to orthodoxy. So they go to an orthodox church and we have different jurisdictions in orthodoxy, uh, whereas the Catholics have a centralized pope. We have multiple patriarchs uh, for various jurisdictions. And the jurisdiction that this person belongs to is our jurisdiction, which is the one of Antioch. So in Syria which is a very Middle Eastern, very Semitic jurisdiction. But the entire congregation, because they are Anglo-Saxon primarily converts, um, the services are done in Slavic-style chanting. The design of the church is very Slavic, and their whole behavior is Slavic because they look at it as upon, you know, well, ethnically we're closer to the Russians, which really they're not, it's that pigmentation, they're closer to the Russians, so they want to be closer to the Russians in prayer rather than, you know, the Semitic Middle Eastern people. Why is that, by the way? I don't know. It's just a comfort thing, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, which confuses me because there are a ton of Russian Orthodox churches within the area. So yeah. if you wanted to be Russian Orthodox so bad or Orthodox Church of America, which is an offshoot of the Russian Orthodox Church, you know, why not go to one of those if that's where you felt most comfortable? Why come into our world? And then try to change us around to more anglicize us or to more slavicize us. 
Yes. And nothing against, you know, the anglicized Orthodox Church or the Slavic Orthodox Churches, but you've come into the Semitic world, so why are you going to try to change the Semitic world into the Slavic world or the or the anglicized world? That irks me. And then to complain about certain things when you're guilty of the same behavior also bothers me. Well, well, you know, the whole religious schisms, even like within Judaism, you have conservative and orthodox and Hasidic and, and reform. I mean, it's all it's very interesting how all the, the splits have come about. I mean, there was an article this week which talked about um, I mean, this this was very eye opening, for example, that there are now more witches in the United States than Presbyterians. Interesting. There are there are 1.5 million witches uh, as opposed to 1.4 million Presbyterians. And, and that includes assume. Wiccans, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. And for those you know out there, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly not an expert on um, Wiccans. I mean, and, and, and witches. I know you as a as a religious scholar, you you can enlighten us more. Uh, but I just think it it was. They say that it's becoming increasingly popular among millennials who like the pre-Christianity of oh. the soul and the nature. This is not, you know, this is not um, the exorcist. Right. That's sort of demonic, satanic, no. rosemary's baby. This is a, a whole different kind of thing. Well, I, I won't, you know, I will not dispute anyone's right to any religion. Uh, the problem with people converting to, say, a pagan religion is that there are very many incantations that are used. And very many spells and, you know, just things that people haven't been familiarized with for very many centuries or, you know, are fresh to it. And people will pick up the book and start reading these incantations and not realize fully what they're conjuring up. Mm, so there's that level of danger in paganism, not saying that pagan religions are dangerous, but it's the person who's handling the incantation that could make the mistake. And say something wrong or or recite the wrong spell or incantation or whatever that can cause the problem. Have you ever known anyone who belonged to who was a Wiccan, Wiccan or belonged to a pagan religion? Oh, yeah, I've known quite a few people. OK, so what like what is their rationale, justification, um, interest? What a, motivates a them? A lot of it for well, not for all of them, but for a handful of them. Uh was the feminine goddess aspect of it. So it was far more a feminist view rather than a theological view. So really? it was mo- motivated by uh, by politics rather than by spirituality. So what, what feminist god view is there? Uh, you know, the Mother Earth, the Gaia in, in Greek mythology. There's also Ishtar in... Mesopotamian uh, mythology, uh, who was the goddess of love and war, because it takes the same amount of energy to love and hate. Huh, um, interesting. You know, there's people that choose to follow Lilith, as you know from the Talmud, who yes. people believe is um, Adam's first wife and was uh, was damned to walk the earth for eternity because she was disobedient to God and to her husband. Um. But it's not a biblical story, but it is a Talmudic story. It is a tradition within Judaism. So there are people that follow the tradition of Lilith, um, which is quite terrifying, especially if she's been damned to uh, to hell. 
or to walk the earth and, and be tormented yes. for it. And she's also known as the uh, baby snatcher. You know, killing infants in their crib is what is attributed to Lilith. So why anyone would want to worship her terrifies me. Um, but what's well, really it's cool. not, what, what, I have a question. Okay, so you say that um, in early religions, yes, the female worldview, the female god view, mm-hmm. was very pronounced. Did how did it get? How did it get lost? Uh, mistranslation, I, to be honest with you, because. If you look at the word Elohim in Hebrew, um, in Aramaic, it's Alaha. Uh, in Arabic, the word would be Allah. Um, these are plural titles for God, because in monotheistic religions and even dualist religions like Zoroastrianism, uh, God is neither male nor female. All right. God is depicted as male because when you use the linguistics, it is masculine plural in the language uh, of origin. But masculine plural is used if that there's one male and 500 female, you still use the masculine plural because there's still a, male, a man present. So if you look at creation from, a, uh, from an Abrahamic religious standpoint, uh, the full image of creation is the unification of male and female. To, because as God said in, in the Bible, go, go forth and multiply, be fruitful and multiply. So the full image of creation is man and woman coming together to create new life. So Elohim is pluralized for masculine plural. In English, English is what ruined it, is because English doesn't have masculine or feminine plural in its writing. So to show masculine plural in Old English and Middle English, the the word he was capitalized to show masculine plural. Right. And so... People that didn't understand that linguistic aspect in the in the English writings took it as, oh, God is male. And that's how <laughs> the feminine aspect of God was lost, not realizing capital H is masculine plural in Middle and Old English. Well, that's fascinating. Yeah. No wonder women are, are annoyed about that. Right. I don't blame them. So people will sit there and say, oh, why isn't God she? Well, God is neither he nor she. It's just the linguistic understanding and the language that we used at the time when penning these books that were like, well, it's plural. And if there's both aspects of male and female, we just use masculine plural. Okay, but so then answer this one for me. Okay, Okay. so, you know, father who ought in heaven. Mm -hmm. So why is it father? Because it's, again, addressing the masculine plural. And it's more in, in the language that Jesus used is more like dad. Instead, because Jesus is incarnate of both male and female, because in order for Jesus to have come down to earth, he had to be incarnate through the Virgin Mary. So uh, aspects of the mother goddess in the Virgin Mary was was used and addressed, but the Virgin Mary is no deity. She's a human being. Right. So, you know, it's, again, a linguistic thing, but it was also easier for fishermen to understand rather than going into this deep philosophical and theological yes. arguments, you know, to say father rather than sit there and go father, mother, or go to the synagogue and explain in depth what the Pharisees and the Sadducees would have explained. But yes. theologically, so like, we still have to explain that. It was like a marketing ploy. Not exactly a marketing ploy, but it's easier. Well, like how people in this country will say we live in a democracy when really we live in a republic. It's just yes. easier to say democracy than republic. Okay, so let's talk about the the, the Wiccans now. Okay. Um, 
are you, I'm, I'm not surprised that millennials would be drawn to them. Okay. Because millennials are, are search, millennials, like all young people, mm-hmm. as they should search for something beyond the establishment. Right. And most of Gen X had turned away from religion to begin with, whether Judaism, Christianity, right. Islam, etc. And there's this spiritual longing amongst people to reconnect to a spiritual realm. And so in their search, people will stumble upon, hey, this is easier for me because I can do this alone. Or you join a coven, which is a very small group. Uh, churches, uh, Protestant churches do it, especially the evangelical ones in small, in small circle churches, you know, or house churches. Um, so they do these things. It's just that, again, people need to be careful when they choose a religion, especially one when you're dealing with otherworldly beings to not sit there and just randomly start, uh, start reciting incantations from books that they're reading out loud right now. Well, if you don't know what the spell is, don't say it. Because the spoken word is very powerful. Well, so it's possible that there can be spells being unleashed and that we don't know about. Yes. Okay. And that could be kind of dangerous. It's a lot different than just going to synagogue or church or the mosque. Right. But, I mean, don't forget, even in Judaism, let's look at uh, Kabbalist tradition. Yes. You know, and especially Ashkenazi tradition in Eastern Europe, the golem. You know, the head rabbi was able to speak the name of God to create this monster and bring it into existence to defend the Jewish people against, you know, tyrannical governments that chose to oppress them. But it was only the most respected and most authoritative and most righteous head rabbi of all the people that that practiced uh, the Kabbalist tradition of Judaism that even knew the name of God in full. I mean, you can say the initials yud Hey wav Hey, but to sit there and put in the vowels and actually speak the name of God is, is something terrifying, because if you know the name of the deity, now you can address them directly and you could have control over the deity. Well, I think it is. I, I think it's just, it's very interesting. I mean, in a way, I'm glad that despite the, the, the drop in religion, people mm-hmm. I mean, among the young are at least turning towards something. Yeah, seeking spirituality. But again, be careful yes. with those incantations, people. That's all I'm telling you. If you want to choose these pagan religions, by all means, go for it. But be careful in reading things out loud. Well, t- talking about reading things out loud in incantation. So in Congress, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, which is about as, you know, demonic, demonic as, as we you can get. Yeah. Yes. I mean, <laughs> unfortunately. And again, we're now, not calling witchcraft demonic. There's no. a whole different sect of demonic, no, but, demonic uh, practices that don't relate to Wiccanism or yes. various forms of witchcraft. Yes. Okay. Yes. But the established political parties do border on that. <laughs> and the, now this is kind of an interesting in the, there's a, been a ban on headgear, on wearing um, head coverings okay. in the Congress since the 1830s. Okay. So that means if you were an Orthodox Jew, if you were a Sikh, you could not, you know, mm-hmm. wear uh, something, you know, to show the respect before God as part of your religion. But now that there are two Muslim Congresswomen okay. been elected, they're thinking of banning, uh, overturning the ban in hijabs. Okay, let every and, Jew start wearing yarmulkes then. Well, you know, it's like, why are we doing it now? And it just it's it's always kind of interesting how when it comes to Muslim, the liberals 
have a, a definite towards Islam, a very definite set of standards. Mm-hmm. When you think about Isla- Islamic, um, and this is not to indict at all, or the, you know, the God fearing, the decent uh, Muslims out there in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the left has an, an issue with with the United States. Okay. And it is perceived that we are, if not in a hot war, we are in a conflict with Islam. Mm-hmm. So the enemy of my enemy. And if um, if Christian, as we've talked before, if Christian countries had treated their, um, their non-believers the way that Islam does, and you know, death penalty for homosexuality in 10 um, countries and the second class citizens of 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 women and Catholics and Christians and Jews, uh, there would be an outrage. And I just think it's ironic that we must bend over backwards when these two um, Muslim congresswomen come in. I mean, do you think I'm being too hardline about this? I don't think you're being too hardlined or paranoid about this, but I think there's a key factor that's missing. Okay, tell me. Uh, once the Middle East is drained of oil, no one will care anymore. Yes. So I think this is appeasement till all the fossil fuels are gone. Yes. I really don't I've, think <laughs> they care that these women are Muslim. I really don't think that they care that they're wearing hijab or not. I think it's just a money ploy. Well, I, well, I also think it's domestic politics. I think that as... Um, more Muslims come to this country and as they um, the population rate mm-hmm. increases, that they become more important in elections. They do. But and they could, sw- you know, s- swing key votes. Right. But, here, key, uh, but here's something states. we haven't addressed in the past. A lot of Jewish people, when they immigrated to the United States from the shtetls in Eastern Europe, uh, left their Jewishness behind to be adaptive to the American society. So yes, some absolutely. Gave it up. Yes, but in a post World War II society, post Vietnam War society, people decided to retain their ethnic and religious traditions as they came to the United States more often. Uh, how many Italians still really speak Italian, other than the menu in the restaurant on the East Coast? Yes, and a well, couple yeah. of few choice curse words while throwing shoes at their children. Right. You yes. Know? Well, my wife is fluent in Italian, but she just mutters at me, so that's. <laughs> You know, so it's that sort of thing. So the earlier generations willingly gave up their identities because World War One and World War Two, you had to. There was no place to go back to. And like, you know, Mussolini's Italy is not something to be idolized. No, no. Well, you you know, you you did an interview um, at Fanboy Nation this week. Uh, I think it with uh, Aaron Wolf. Yes. Tell us about um, Restoring Tomorrow, because it's it. It kind of uh, it segues neatly into this yes. discussion. Um, Aaron Wolf is the grandson of Rabbi Alfred Wolf, a, uh, a Holocaust survivor. And at 19 years old, left Germany, came to the United States, began help building Jewish camps and synagogues across the United States, and settled in Los Angeles and was part of the Wilshire Temple. And they fully restored the Wilshire Temple and turned it into an outreach community center on top of everything else. And this is this was a Hollywood synagogue. And it wasn't built by contractors. It was built by stagehands who knew what would look good oh. from the people <laughs> rather than whatever. So they found That's that great. there was a dome within the dome that looked great, but there was so much water damage and rain damage because it wasn't built to withstand the test of time. It was just built to look good because it was built by set designers. 
And so, you know, this project took on donations and finances and refinancing, but they opened up a school. There's free dental and legal advice for people within the community, within Wilshire, Jewish or not. And so there's this spiritual resurgence that came to the neighborhood. Similar to how people were seeking spirituality with, uh, with paganism, they found it with Judaism. And then there was a, another synagogue in Los Angeles that was remodeled. And it brought, again, a sense of pride to the neighborhood. Because if the house of God is tarnished, what good is the rest of the neighborhood? If the house of God is defiled, who cares about my neighbor? If there's no representation there. Right. So these churches are being refurbished. These synagogues are being refurbished. Several of these mosques in Turkey are being refurbished. And once these houses of worship are being refurbished, it shows that there's a caring within the community and an outreach by the spiritual leaders that the community started feeling invigorated. And now immigrants are receiving legal advice from these lawyers that are doing it pro bono and free dentist, uh, dentistry work that happens on the weekends from these people within the community. And eye doctors, obstetricians are coming and helping these poor kids get glasses and be able to see and help the elderly get new glasses and things. So it was phenomenal to see Aaron, who had fallen off from his spiritual connection and having this rich history of not only Judaism in the old world, but a grandfather who survived the Holocaust and fallen off and decided at some point to rediscover who he was, now reconnect and going to, to synagogue Friday evenings or Saturday mornings. And, you know, it made me think of you because I know you had fallen off from, from yes. your path for quite a while. Yes. And you've started to re-examine your place within your faith. And just a, just a quick pause with this. I've noticed that every time that we talk and, and the sirens hit, it's yes. usually at the 15-minute and 45-minute marker of almost every episode <laughs> as if it's timed by the city of New York. I love it. Isn't it great? Welcome to Brooklyn, everyone. Here we go. I mean, it is amazing. Yes. You know, I think, I mean, I'm not, I have a little too ADD mm -hmm. for organized religion. Okay. I don't like being told what to do and how to say it. That's too much of the, the rebel in me. Right. I respect, I have a friend, uh, a Hasidic friend, mm -hmm. and I'm just astonished at all the, I mean, what is it, like 622, something like that. Yes. Commandment? Yes. Uh, that's, I think that we're just, that might not be the specific number, but I'm close enough. Over 600, yes. Yes, where, you know, you, you're told which shoe you put on first. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, the laws according to God dictate everything. And I know that within that there is room to interpret and think freely, but obviously with, you know, certainly in Judaism with the, um, the Talmud, the great debate over this, the centuries, over the millennium, actually, mm -hmm. about the laws and keeping a card. But, but still, when you have those many laws, you don't have a lot of freedom. And, mm -hmm. you know, at a certain point, you can only ponder what's out of the box just so much because the box is very small. Right. So I, I like to think there is God. Mm -hmm. um, I've, it, you know, thanks to my friendship with you and our discussions, I'm kind of drifting back and, and believing you. in it as, you know, yes, well, I thank you for that. Um, but, you know, there's certain things that I still struggle with. I, I think that probably the, the fundamental thing I struggle with with God is not so much what he or she 
might do, but people's the way they frame the discussion and God's responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so when something good goes right, oh, thank God. Mm-hmm. When when something bad goes right, no one says, oh, that damn God, because, well, it's our fault. Well, but wait a minute. <laughs> well, wait a minute. You know, so go throw, toss that one back in me. All right. Would you like to know the Orthodox Jewish answer and the Orthodox Christian answer yes. to the when oh. things go right and the things yes. go wrong in regarding Please. to God? Give it to me. When things go right, oh, thank God. Yes. When things go wrong, ah, thank God, because there's still a lesson to be learned from this. Okay. Well, right. yeah. The problem well, is trying know, to figure out lost... what the lesson was. Yeah, no, you know, so your your leg is amputated. Well, okay, fine. So I'm going to be thankful I have another leg. But, you know, right. honestly, mm-hmm. I mean, you can't be – I'm sorry. I, it can't cut both ways. Right. Because – God always gets off scot-free for any for any responsibility. Actually, he didn't, because don't forget, in the concentration camps, there is a Jewish law where you could put God on trial for being uh, uh, unjust. And in in Nazi Germany, uh, Jews in the concentration camps put God on trial and found him guilty. Really? Now, tell me about this. Um, this this man, I haven't studied this uh, this in a long time, but um, what happened was uh, these people suffering through the Holocaust, you know, who believe that Jewish people didn't deserve this. And, it, and the Holocaust is a horrible thing. And the genocide that the Christians faced uh, in World War One is equally as horrible. Um, put God on trial and found him guilty for unjust punishment towards the Jewish people. That's fascinating. I have to I have to look more deeply into that. Yeah. So that's it would be a fascinating. Yes. I don't know. Wouldn't it be a fascinating play? It would be a phenomenal play, but it was, but yes, in Jewish law, you can put God on trial for unjust punishment. Now, did they do that at the concentration camp? I mean, they, they got the, they got the rabbis that were there together. They held a trial, the accusations against God and what was happening to the people within those camps. And, uh, God was put on trial. You must, if you have any more. Like the name of the camp or any more information, you must you, you must send it to me. I'm just fascinated. So I will God have to, had I'll def- have to find it because it's been about 20 years since I studied this. But yeah. So God had a defense attorney. I guess uh, there was a rabbi that had to defend God, and and a prosecutor. And a, yes, another and rabbi a, that, that prosecuted, and, and a judge. Yes, I guess or a ju- was it a judge or a jury? Or? Uh, it was a I believe it was a judge. Yeah. Who held court and then. They, you know, they voted and they found God guilty. Well, that's simply amazing. I think I'm just fascinated mm-hmm. by this. And I mean, just think about it. This was happening in a concentration camp, not exactly, you know, a place where <laughs> you could kind of do what you want. Right. Uh, you know, it, it, I mean, I've read, you know, Primo Levi and Eli Wiesel's accounts, and it's just kind of it's it, at times it's incomprehensible. In a way, you can almost understand sometimes why people don't believe it happened. And please, please, I am like about as far from a Holocaust denier as is possible. But sometimes horror is almost impossible to comprehend on a massive scale. It's like, no. Not just horror, but what the horror that mankind can do to each other. Yes. And you say, well, no, you could not have killed 
two million children. You, no one could do that. It's just, it's not, you, you can't have done that. You could, couldn't have done the horrible things and not just in the occasion of the Holocaust, but right. you know, I still, I'm still, my hair still curls when I think about slavery. Right. How, how, I can't even watch movies about slavery because it upsets me on such a profound level because I can't accept that my species did that. Mm-hmm. It, the reason being, though, and the unfortunate thing about this is that we didn't view our enemies as part of our species. Right. It is easy to kill other people when you view them as other. Yes. And when you view them as near animalistic and yes. subhuman. Yes. And we must all remember, and that's a lesson to this day, that when we delegitimize people and make them less than us, make them others, as you say, not quite the same, that's that's a path. Yeah. That eventually some horrific goal can be led. Well, we're almost we're running out of time. Yes. What now what do you now I've talked about my holiday plans for my mm-hmm. Jewish Thanksgiving. Now, what about you have an Assyrian Thanksgiving coming up? Yes. My great uncle is coming to visit. His wife had passed away over the, uh, over the right. summer. Right. I remember that. And yes. this is the first year we used to, we used to go to my grandparents' house and then eventually we'd go to Las Vegas cause everybody got tired of cooking. And then once my grandparents ah. passed, we went to my great uncle's house. And now that his wife has passed, uh, this year they decided to come down here. So everyone's coming to Southern California. So we're going to have more of a, Beachy Thanksgiving, I guess. Um, yes. You know, warmer than than uh, Northern California Thanksgiving. Uh, still the turkey, um, you know, and something new that they're trying is cauliflower, you know, mashed cauliflower instead of mashed potatoes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but still very Middle Eastern food, you know, hummus, tabbouleh, uh, ah, baba ghanoush, you know, oh. dolma, so stuffed grape leaves, oh. you know. Yes, yes, I love it. Oh, so, yes. Yeah. You got to have the turkey, which is the American thing, and then everybody yes. else is the peripheral stuff. So. Yes, yes. Well, I'm, everyone, I'm my family is going to be here. So. Yes. Well, a, ha- a wonderful happy Thanksgiving to you, my friend, and to everyone out there. Please be safe, and please remember to be thankful, because yes. we live in a world where it's so easy just to see the negative yes. every day if you, you know, read the papers and the, 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 go online in the news. But, you know, the vast preponderance of people are good people. Yes. And just remember that. So don't go into road rage when you're stuck in traffic. <laughs> Especially here in L.A. Yeah. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving, man. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your wife and to the pets and to everybody else that's yeah. coming over that's going to sneak over uh, some lasagna. Yeah. Yes, we like that. All right, man. Take care. <laughs> Take Bye-bye, care. Bye, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye.